Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. We were expecting five or ten people. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just real quick uh, intros before we get started on the agenda. Uh, my name is Benjamin Andrew. I'm the global leader of security and network infrastructure categories of software in AWS Marketplace. Uh, try explaining to your spouse what that means. Uh, I've still not succeeded. She has no idea what I do. Uh, I see a few of the friendly faces in the crowd. Hi, James. How's it going? Uh, anyway, welcome. And I want to introduce a friend of mine. This is Torsten from Change Healthcare. Torsten. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I don't have much else to say. That's, that's, uh, I work for Change Healthcare. Um, I'm the VP of IT, uh, specifically in cloud engineering. And uh, I'm really focused on security and regulations, which is probably why all of you are here. So glad to see you. Well, hopefully some of these topics will be interesting for you. We're just going to spend a few minutes on a few different things. Some will be interesting. Some will be hopefully exciting. Uh, there is no, unfortunately, easy button. I know many of you are probably coming today hoping that there was just one little button you could click to secure your regulated environment in AWS. But we're going to at least help you get as close as possible, give you some guidance, and talk about some real-world experiences from change. And uh, uh, few, uh, just to briefly go through the agenda here, a brief history of the journey to the cloud from Change Healthcare. So we're going to talk about their own experiences and how they have actually become a cloud first, actually AWS first, uh, all in customer, uh, and talk about some of the pain, pain that uh, maybe many of you guys experience. Uh, how they've, they've built a cloud center of excellence and uh, talk about the security by design and cloud first process that they've built and automation of all the different things that uh, many of us struggle with doing manually uh, and trying to get our hands around, heads around, hands around all these different uh, challenges. So we're going to talk about some, some, uh, some pains that you will relate, relate to and then also some successes. Uh, we're going to talk about a new gold-based AMI and actually highlight a, a, uh, an announcement that AWS Marketplace and Service Catalog made today around a, a, what we're referring to as a private image uh, that is a, a new automated way to develop Images that include that that you guys would build for yourselves for your own environments that actually would include third-party software purchased and metered directly out of marketplace right right into those images, uh, and those those images are also uh, maintained and and uh, in in an automated fashion they're updated as well as uh, scanned for compliance and some some pretty interesting stuff there, uh, and then spend a few minutes on uh, questions at the end. So let's talk a little bit about Change Healthcare, and I'll just have Torsten just introduce what Change is and uh, what are some of the concerns that he has, and and uh, go from there. All right, Change Healthcare. So um, we are the largest medical network in the United States. Um, out of the three trillion dollar healthcare system, about two trillion run through our system and claims processing. So we really do operate at scale. And um, security is, I mean, that's like my number one concern, right? I can't afford in any way, shape, or form, whether it's the PR or the fines, any kind of real breach of that system. And as I'm moving to the cloud, I need to make sure that everything that I'm doing it meets my regulatory requirements and meets my security requirements. So, um, want to talk a little bit yeah. about others that have similar challenges? So similar challenges that... You know, uh, I would assume many of you are also in, uh, have to comply with HIPAA, 
How many also are maybe PCI regulations or maybe some NIST or CGIS? Uh, what other ones did I miss? Just yell at me. FedRAMP, yeah, HERPA, right. SOX. Uh, so all, all, all of those things are business drivers, com things that you must, must comply with. You need to figure out what solutions within AWS are going to help you meet the compliance. Also, you need to look at third-party software. And how many of you guys have a really easy way of figuring out which third-party software is going to help you meet which control? Does anybody have that? I'd like that document later. <laughs> um, I actually have a tool. Uh, I, I met with a company, and I'll, I'll give you a little sneak peek. Uh, many of you have probably heard of Allgress, some friends of mine over there that, that, that have a, a great way to map uh, controls. And, and, and I, I met with them a couple of years ago when I was talking about bringing their solution to AWS Marketplace. And I said, you guys should consider the challenge that customers have of even just determining what software they need that, that will map to each control. And maybe they already own some software. Uh, or maybe they're looking for a tool that's going to cover every control. And what about the AWS services? You know, which services are going to help cover each of the controls? And so they built a tool that I'll show you in a little bit that actually shows you which software that you can purchase or maybe something that you already own. It actually maps down to the control level on a cool wheel. So I'll show you that. I'm actually going to attempt to do it live uh, because it has a, a cool uh, tactile effect when you're actually playing with it. Um, but some of the common challenges that customers have, software entitlement, the concept of a renewal, the concept of talking to a, a person when they're buying software. And it, it, I don't know about you, but when, when I'm working on a project, I don't necessarily want to take time to call a bunch of people. I just want to go out as if I'm shopping on Amazon.com, and I just want to be able to buy software and deploy it immediately. And so, and ideally, in a free trial option. So, there's a lot of complex agreements. I don't know if you guys heard today, but we announced, uh, Marketplace announced a enterprise contract that will actually reduce the amount of time that it takes you to, to negotiate terms with a software vendor from an average of, what, six to nine months of red lines down to a week, potentially even a, even a day. So we've built an enterprise contract that the top, say, 15 AWS customers, including Change Healthcare, uh, have agreed with us on a set of terms with about 15 different of the top software vendors selling at a marketplace, a single set of terms, a single set that everyone would agree to so that you can actually buy multiple different applications from multiple different vendors with a single set of terms. And we're adding multiple additional vendors and multiple additional customers to that. But So a lot of these challenges are things that many of you would probably relate to. And AWS Marketplace is a place for you to find and buy and purchase and deploy and eventually manage with Service Catalog uh, solutions right out of AWS. And these, these, these solutions are curated from vendors. We actually deploy them ourselves. We check uh, all of the applications to make sure there's no security issues with them. We have uh, currently over 4,200 product listings from over 1,280 ISVs. Uh, and this this has uh, grown uh, exponentially. When I started two and a half years ago in AWS Marketplace, responsible for the security category at that time, uh, there was only about 150 security products. Now I believe there's over 550. So it's grown very quickly. But the idea is that these solutions are tested to work in AWS, and we, we encourage strongly and recommend 
that the vendors actually design to AWS, and they're leveraging AWS services and APIs and marketplace features and APIs that we deliver to reduce friction for you, make it easier for you to buy, to, to buy in a, in a cloudy way by paying for things as you use them rather than by procuring licenses and dealing with renewals and all those types of things. And now we actually support private seller private offers. So if you, if you guys want to negotiate a specific price on a specific product, you can work with the vendor uh, through Marketplace to have a private price, including through consulting partners. So that's Marketplace. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that because I really want to spend some time with Change and talk about their journey to the cloud and talk about some of the pains and some of the concerns that they have Thank and very much. how we've solved those. So um, back to the first point that was um, Ben made, there is no real easy button. But maybe we can save you a little bit of time in the sense of we've went through this journey and it took us quite a while to go from you know, 2015 to where we are now and learn through a lot of pain and trial how to hopefully build something that is secure and deployable and manageable at scale. Um, specifically what happened for us was uh, we wanted to get into AWS, we wanted to be agile, we wanted to move quick. You know, the, the, we, we bought into the argument of why you want to go to the cloud. Um, and uh, then our data center guys, our IT guys said, okay, well, I guess we'll set something up for you that meets our requirements. Um, I have to say, I mean, they're, they're great people. Uh, they weren't really cloud people, though. Uh, so they built out an environment for us that basically consisted of two accounts one prod, one non-prod, and underneath those, they wanted one VPC, one for the prod VPC, one for the non-prod. They got more because they couldn't quite figure out just one, um, but ultimately, they, we were trying to sort of mirror the controls and the things that they had in place in the data center. So if I, as an engineer, wanted to get anything done, I wasn't allowed to go onto AWS and provision something myself, I literally had to go into the old-fashioned ticket system and have somebody in IT make that change for me. Um, this is you know, not the most scalable model. I mean, they, granted, they can support the data center, but they were already supporting the data center. So the same staff that was overtaxed supporting the data center was now trying to also support the cloud. And they were doing everything manually, right? So they had no idea of the fact that why would you want to begin to automate these processes? So we ran in very quickly into a, just a, um, a scale problem where we just couldn't move at all. They, you know, we spun up a few things, um, but we were not able to exploit the cloud, exploit the agility that we wanted our teams to have. Um, and then from a security perspective as well, you know, a lot of this was hand-coded. Um, a lot of this was hand-coded by people that, again, didn't really understand what they were building at the time. And the surface area for attack Right, if, if that green account up there on the top one gets compromised, everything is gone, right? I mean, that's, that's, that was it. There was no other possibility. So um, we went and said, okay, this, that doesn't work. So let's open it up. Let's, let's let teens go ahead and you know, we basically gave them a checklist. We said, you know, make sure it's secure, make sure you're responsible, and all these fun things. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and let you have a lot more control. A um, lot of interest, a lot of people went out and said, all right, let's build stuff, um, which is great. You can see you know, the explosion there in just a number of VPCs. Uh, but 
now the problem was, our CISO looked at that and goes, how is that one particular bubble configured? And there's no way to tell because there was no real processes in place. I mean, maybe somebody did some automation, maybe they followed the checklist, maybe they followed the guide. Who knew? CISO didn't know. So, you know, even though the surface area now is, you know, not as great from a, an attack, it, it's still vulnerable because we couldn't really tell that each one of these is locked up the way they're supposed to be locked up. So, what we ended up doing is basically putting a hold on our entire cloud strategy and basically saying, we have to automate this. We have to manage this to a certain extent. So it's a, we have to create a balance between letting the teams move very quickly in an agile way and having controls and security in place that our regulations require. Um, we can't, it can't be the Wild West, but it can't be all locked down. There has to be some kind of medium. And uh, that's what we ended up developing. We developed a series of uh, automation tools that allow us to basically stamp out each of these squares um, however we want. Now, the, the fact that we have a very specific number of these is because we create one per business unit. So that was a, a financial decision more than it was a technology decision. Uh, we wanted to do chargebacks to particular groups. So it, you know, we decided that every major business unit in our company gets an account, or actually gets two accounts, um, and then this way they own their own world and they can make some decisions about it. So every one of these things is now created via code, 100%. Um, and inside of each one of these, um, there's this separation of duties, right? So inside of the locked area, that is what the application team gets. Everything that's outside are things that we already configure for the application team. So fundamentally, we, we end up giving the application team a, uh, a subnet in which they can live and deploy their services. They have access to 95% of all of the things that AWS offers. We are not, again, we wanna empower the team so that they can actually use AWS and move quickly, right? So we're not gonna say, you can't use Kinesis or you can't use Aurora. Um, we want you to use all these technologies. But there are some things that we don't want you to change, right? The thing we don't want you to do is turn off CloudTrail for the account because we like CloudTrail. We like to know what's happening. Our security guys like CloudTrail. And so specifically, um, what we also built is a um, account just for our security guys. And there's a bucket there that all of the logs, all of the information flow, flows into and no one but the security guys have access to that. So I can't see it, no developer can see it, it's just everything that we build it automatically pipes in there. So um, all the CloudTrail logs go there, uh, flow logs are there, um, AWS config can send their information there, even our centralized logging that is a shared service, you'll see logging there in the green box on VPC. So that VPC, we provide shared services inside. So we provide services like DNS and single sign-on, um, centralized logging. But even that centralized logging transparently is configured so that it automatically puts stuff into the security node. And so this way, 
security knows, if nothing else, they know they have a trail, right? They, they know that any change ever committed to the AWS environment, they're aware of. And that's, you can't get out of that because it's one of the things that we don't let developers control like um, AWS CloudTrail. So there's a, a newer, there's a, a shared responsibility, but also a higher level of trust. We um, also build AMIs. Uh, and this becomes a really important piece, which I will get into uh, a little bit more later. Um, but this whole concept of how do you build an AMI and how do you secure, I mean, we all have, you know, we remember having to stig our OSs. So we have to harden these AMIs before our application teams can use them and deploy them. And there's, uh, you know, we're gonna get into great detail about how we uh, manage that and how AWS is helping you guys be able to do that at scale. Um, this sort of just shows the fact that this is a repeatable process, right? So um, one of the really cool things here is it's n number of accounts. I can spin them up as much as I want. Um, I can theoretically tear one down and replace it. Uh, so everything about that account in, in detail is in code. It's not, you know, no one, none of my engineers that manage this ever go into the AWS console and make a change using the console at all. So um, it's, uh, that also adds to a certain level of accountability and auditability, right? Because instead of having somebody who you know, goes into a, a data center, decides to pull some network cables and reroute them, and then that becomes an event that no one in the world ever knew about, in this particular case, if you want to open up a security group for your application, you actually have to make that change in code, and then that code gets stored in your code repository, it then gets put and um, executed on the AWS environment and the change happens. So now I have a, not only do I have a cloud trail version of that, that's just the commands that were executed on AWS, I know who did it, why they did it, um, when did they do it, and who reviewed it and authorized it to go through because it's part of my normal CI/CD process when I release code. So, you know, we, we established a set of heuristics that we wanted to use to make sure that um, our, you know, these are rules that we didn't want to break, right? We wanted to take an approach that was cloud first. So coming back to having learned how to implement stuff in the data center, the cloud is different, right? I mean, you just, as you, as you start using it, you start realizing that the old ways of thinking about something is just not directly translatable to how you're deploying those similar services in the cloud. And this actually brings me to another really important point and, and why there is no easy button, right? All of our regulations, if you're, if you're not already fully deployed in the cloud, let's assume that right now you're moving there, you're moving a secure workload there. I'm gonna guess that most everybody here has standards and regulations that there's their interpretation of those policies. So if you look at high trust and you look at HIPAA and you look at all the rules you know, that are required inside of that, you as a company make a decision about where that risk lies. Like how am I going to address this and what do I care about? How much resource am I gonna put into that? Well, that was probably done with a data center in mind. Um, a really good example is there's a regulation that says you have to make a reasonable effort to um, prevent malware from living on, you know, being, being on a server. You know, most of us solve that by just putting antivirus on the server. 
fair enough, that works, it's great. You could have an immutable server, that's one way of doing it. Another possibility is, well, what if I'm using Lambda, right? Now I have no server. So does that regulation apply? I have to have an answer for this. So I actually need to go through with a fine tooth comb through all of my regulations and all my standards and say, yes, this applies and this is how it applies in AWS or in a cloud environment. So that's actually a very large exercise. It's a, it's a documentation exercise. It's nothing to do with code, uh, but it's definitely something that you have to go through. Uh, so we took a cloud-first approach, right? We would answer those questions thinking about, well, how does this live in the cloud, not how did it live in the data center? Um, you know, we let the cloud provide us with tools to solve problems that, you know, we didn't have, well, we have the data center for, but, you know, it was configured in a way to solve that problem. There's like new ways of doing exactly the same thing. Again, infrastructure as code, I think, is probably the best way of looking at it. Just even when you had virtualized environments, that still only scratches the surface of true automation and true infrastructure as code. And so we're using those tools to solve some of these problems. Um, and then another thing we've done is uh, security by design. So this is uh, a constant drumbeat. None of my guys, you know, to use a double negative, don't always think about security by design. Right? It's, it's in, you want to secure every component and you want to make it as secure as you can do at the time. And then you have this layer cake of security. So um, I at one time drew out our entire AWS um, deployment and I ended up with like 26 specific places where um, a security rule applied, whether it was uh, authentication or it was getting through a firewall or it was getting through a security group or whatever. And every one of those things was locked down because we basically start out with least privilege. So we lock everything down and then you make a request to open it. And this goes back to how it's, how is it audible, right? Because it's, again, it's in automation. So the request to open it is just a change in the code. And then that code goes back down through the code pipeline and has all of its history. So not only is it, you know, does CloudTrail picks it up again and shoves it into the security bucket. And then, you know, the, your code repository has that change logged as well. So if you make a change to a security group, because you need to, because you're a developer and you want access to something, it's all well documented. It wasn't just some random event. And I think I've covered automate everything just about as much as I, <laughs> as I can. So, so yeah, so, you know, security is obviously the first and foremost, you know, what are the regulations? How do I make something secure? Managed so that there has to be a give and take. You can't simply say, yeah, we're going to lock everything down and, and run it through a single source because that's going to basically bring your development to a halt. On the other side, you can't just say, okay, you guys do it, and we'll just hope that you guys do it well. Um, that, you know, works for 99%, but the 1% is going to kill you. Uh, you know, we're in a regulated space, so our standards are important, but understanding those standards in your environment and in AWS or any cloud that you're, you're going to use. Documenting comes back to... Again, understanding those uh, uh, standards, you've got to document them just, not just for yourself, but then also for your auditors. And then infrastructure is code, so back to automation. Um, so really, you know, this is sort of the classic um, shared responsibility model that I think all of you have seen. Um, and my approach was to take a sliver, 
in between AWS and really the application team sitting on top there in blue and say, okay, for a couple of services, we will take full control of this. But generally, you're empowered. And uh, I think that's a work strategy worked out well for us. So Excellent. So how many of you have seen this slide already, familiar with it? Uh, if you have some time, spend some time with the AWS Solution Architects, because I can go into quite a bit of detail on what each of the layers, uh, customer data, you know, implementing encryption, uh, encrypting your, your, your keys, and you know, leveraging third-party encryption capabilities uh, from AWS Marketplace, applications, securing your applications, securing your identity, uh, operating systems, all, all the different, the firewall, the IPSs, the things that you need to do to protect your applications, your data, your identities. These are really important to do. Uh, and then, of course, we're responsible for the security of the cloud. We build different, a large number of, of complex services to ensure both the security of the physical environment and the, and the, the, the actual physical servers and the storage. It's all isolated. Uh, but it's really important that you guys are aware that you continue to leverage the third-party capabilities that are offered through AWS Marketplace that can cover you for securing your applications. So here's, here's some common uh, security uh, use cases and solutions that are available in Marketplace. And, and I always offend 95% of the security vendors when I show this slide because if their logo's not on there, they text me immediately afterwards. But uh, it's impossible to fit them all on there. That's why we want you to just go visit the Marketplace site directly. But just to highlight a few uh, different use cases here, uh, logging and monitoring configuration of vulnerability analysis. I know, I know Alien Vault just launched a new, uh, a new solution just this, this week, I believe yesterday. Uh, so some, some great solutions available. Splunk was actually on stage with us at AWS Summit in San Francisco uh, back this past April as we, as we launched SaaS contracts, a way for you to purchase software prepaid on Marketplace uh, with a one to three year uh, upfront term. Uh, and there's some, a number of additional other solutions that are available here, just to highlight a few. Uh, but all of these that we highlight are solutions that are well-architected. They're through the, Am the Amazon Web Services Security Competency Program. So we've tested them to make sure that uh, not only do they work well in the cloud and in hybrid, but they actually uh, are leveraging AWS services in, in a good way. Uh, they're not doing things that we call anti-patterns that are sort of opposed to the way that, it, that you would following AWS security best practices. So uh, we're, all, we're only gonna recommend solutions that are well architected and doing the right things and continue to work with all the security vendors and networking vendors to help them through that process. Uh, I wanna highlight this tool. There's a couple of cool things that we'll highlight. The first one is a tool from a company called Allgress that actually is, is designed to, to identify the solutions uh, that are available in Marketplace that map to the security frame, to the uh, regulatory compliance frameworks at a control level. And uh, we, we call it RPM because the idea is to speed up your uh, process beca to become uh, compliant with the regulatory frameworks. Uh, regulatory uh, RPM stands for uh, regulatory product mapping. So I'm actually going to open up uh, a browser here, and I love doing live demos because they always work. You're a braver so, man than I. <laughs> this, I want to show that you can actually get this on AWS Marketplace. 
see if I can remember the link to my own site. So if you go to AWS Marketplace, you can search, you can filter by different products by just clicking on the security category, and you notice that we have 565 results here. Uh, so there's plenty of, plenty of t uh, filtering on the left-hand side from, you know, do you want to pay with uh, metered pricing by host, or do you want to pay by number of units, or by hour? There's a lot of different ways. We have, we've implemented a, a product support connection that allows you to get, uh, to provide your contact information directly to the vendors to help through uh, the onboarding process. If, the, if you have questions, you can reach out to them, they can reach out to you. Uh, you can filter by region. Uh, we actually are available in 14 different regions, including GovCloud, uh, and there's a number of additional regions that'll be rolled out this year. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways you can filter or just search for a given product. Uh, but just the other day, we posted August uh, on, on the marketplace. So I just want to show you that it's right at the top of the list. And the cool thing is that it's free. So the vendors are actually paying for for the use of the software. So you sign in, and it takes you to this page, and log in as a guest. And it presents you with a simple form, which is select the regulatory framework that you need to comply with. And I'm going to pick on PCI here, because I think that probably has maybe the broadest audience in the room. Uh, but there's two different components to this tool. The Product Explorer is my favorite, and you'll understand why when I show it to you. But I want to show you the coverage overview first. And, and to talk a little bit about the shared responsibility model, if you are needing to figure out which controls do you inherit by the fact that you're using AWS, we've created a filter here that when you click that, it actually shows you just by being an AWS customer, these are the controls that AWS is responsible for. And obviously these are things like controlling physical access, for on-site personnel, et cetera, things that you don't even have access to as an AWS customer because AWS is responsible for the infrastructure. Um, but each of these, you can just uh, click on any of these controls. It'll show you the detail. Or what, what if you want to just see what are the shared controls that both you and AWS working together are responsible for? And this tool could be useful for preparing for an audit or working with a consulting partner that's going to come help you become compliant with, with whatever framework. Uh, what if you're wanting to look at controls that are available from software that's available in Marketplace? You can click on that, and it'll show you all of those. Now, that's nice, but what if I want to see specific software that I can use that's available in Marketplace that will map to each of these controls? So I'm just going to hide all the controls that are process-related, and I'm going to show only the ones that are covered by a piece of software. So on the right-hand side, we've got a list of software. And I want to start with just saying, well, what if I'm using Amazon CloudTrail? If you just select that box, it'll cover, it'll show you which controls are covered by CloudTrail, as well as security groups, identity and access management, VPC, S3. So all these are being highlighted uh, that, that show you in detail. And again, you can click on each one to see the detail. The other thing, by clicking on each control, what it'll do is it'll show you the products on the right-hand side that will help you with coverage for that control. So if you're just saying, hey, I'm going to start with square one, I'm going to click on you know, 1.2 and show me, which, show me which tools are going to help me cover that. It'll show you on the right-hand side. Um, or 
another way to do it is, is say you're just going to scroll through this list of software that maybe you already own Trend Micro Deep Security. And uh, McAfee's in the room, so they're going to complain to me later. But uh, uh, maybe, and, you, and you're like, well, I'm already, I'm already a Trend Micro customer, so what do they cover? So by just clicking only on one product, it'll show you all the different controls that are covered by that application. So it says right here, six controls are covered by that tool. And then what if you want to see, what about Okta? What do they cover? And so it highlights specifically what each covers. And then if you want to see the specific product that is associated with that in the marketplace, and you want to go buy that, or say you want to go buy the CIS benchmark uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Select that, click here, and it takes you a link straight to that listing in Marketplace. So this was designed with a lot of intensive mapping uh, by a company that uh, really, the, ultimately, the security software vendor is responsible for uh, whether or not they cover the control. In a sense, you as a customer are responsible for your own environment, but uh, this third-party Allgress is, is just doing the mapping for us, and the beauty of it is that the customer doesn't have to pay for it. The vendors really want to be in this tool. They want to be highlighted. They want to be promoted. So they are actually paying Allgress an annual fee for each product uh, multiplied by the number of different frameworks that they're part of. So is this useful for any of you? Do you guys see this as something that you might even look at? Um, uh, consulting partners are asking for this type of thing all day long. I would say, I mean, this, this helps that first step I was talking about, right, which is to figure out your requirements and look at them from a cloud perspective, not from a data center perspective. So exactly. And, you know, just, just in case you're wondering what kind of detail uh, is, is provided in this, um, when, when you go down to the product cart after you've selected the products that you might be interested in, it, it'll actually tell you in detail the mapped controls. And I lost my mouse here. There it is. So it'll tell you what is the description of the control, what are the procedures that you need to follow, what's really the objective behind it, and references that you can read for more information as if you need more. So that's, that's a tool that we, we see a lot of our AWS uh, consulting partners leveraging because they don't have to necessarily study all that information themselves. They're, 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 you'll find that it helps you figuring out the overlap. Maybe there, there may be one tool that you uh, own, but, but there's another tool that you've been considering, and it might cover more controls than the other. So it's a, it's a useful tool uh, that, that you guys can use. And again, it's free. So take a look at Marketplace. You can find it by just searching for Allgress, and it's the first one on, on the top of their list. They also offer other solutions as well, but I'm not here to sell their stuff. I'm just here to help you. So, Sorry? All of them, no. So we've started with, I think, probably uh, maybe around 15, depending on the framework, uh, 15 to 20. But uh, the, the ultimate goal is to, is to, you know, make it open to every vendor. So, you know, um, you can put pressure on or encourage, rather, a specific vendor if you see that they're not there. Uh, you can let us know in the Marketplace team, because we actually work with all these vendors as well, and, and we're glad to you know, provide feedback to them as well. But uh, 
you know, take a look and uh, you, you'll, you'll get our email addresses at the end. And if there's feedback that you have on that uh, or specific questions, feel free to reach out and I can connect you with those guys. But I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some work that we've been doing with Change around automating their gold-based AMI. And right. so Torsten's going to talk a little bit about that process and then and, uh, we'll talk about a solution that, we're, that we've announced today that's in preview through AWS Service Catalog that allows you to uh, automate this workflow directly within your uh, Service Catalog in, uh, installation. So Perfect. So um, now I'm kind of curious, actually. How many people here are hardening their AMIs right now before their deployments? And how many are doing it in a fully automated way? Right, so fair amount. So, and I assume that you wrote this tool, right? I mean, how many of all those hands are doing it in an automated way? Did, was it a third-party thing, or did you have to write the automation? How many third-party? A right, couple. Six, well, that's seven. That's good. Okay. So, um, so I think, you know, you definitely understand the pain point here, right? You have to stig, CS, CIS, some way of protecting that AMI so that uh, the OS so that your application teams are using an uh, operating system that you can trust. And um, if you wanted to do that manually, that's a lot of work. So just the process of automating that is really important. Um, so the AWS Marketplace actually does a very good job of publishing uh, AMIs on a regular basis for all the operating systems, virtually all of them. Um, and they'll let you know that they did that. So it sort of is the kickoff to that whole process. Um, and then at the very end, what we do is, you know, we'll, we'll run it through our tool set and then we'll publish it in AWS's service catalog for the application teams. And I'm going to walk through this really quick and just generally what we do. Um, we use uh, the new um, automation document in SSM. So we basically have defined a document that takes, grabs the base AMI, instantiates it, puts all of the controls in, on top of it, builds a candidate AMI, instantiates that, and then we test, scan it, and validate, make sure that it's correct. And um, I'll go into a little bit more detail. Uh, we've decided uh, on Ansible. I mean, you can use whatever else you want to use. Um, there's no particular reason why Ansible. Um, so this is just showing you that Basically, you know, we, again, we take that base AMI. Um, when we instantiate that, we then also instantiate another uh, instance um, off our um, automation AMI, basically. And then that goes in and grabs the playbooks that are our hardening documentation and applies those uh, rules to that instance. And then we turn that instance into our, basically, candidate gold base AMI. We uh, then instantiate that candidate, and uh, the same process takes it and uh, pulls the validation from our uh, validation repository and does the scans and the tests and makes sure that what we've built is correct. The advantage here is that um, all of this for us is a, is a service that we use internally, so my group that is responsible for publishing up-to-date AMIs on a regular cadence uses this to do that, but then we also have built this in such a way that um, the uh, application teams can do it. Because the other problem is that an application team can consume our goal-based AMI, but then they can change it. And if they change it, I can't trust it. 
because they could have uninstalled antivirus or made some other change that they felt was necessary. So I need to have the ability to rescan it, but I don't want them to have to submit their version to some manual person in InfoSec that has to do the scan. I want to be able to do it during this normal CI/CD process. So they can actually invoke the exact same process that we use in my team to build the original inside of their own CI/CD process so it doesn't slow them down. So if they pull something out and we, you know, they pull down our validation tool and do the scan and then we'll tell them, nope, that didn't work. So then the build fails. Um, you don't have to, I mean, we coded our own validation tool uh, just because Inspector at the time didn't cover all the operating systems that we wanted. Um, but as Inspector is growing in, uh, in coverage and depth, um, it's another perfectly viable tool for us to use. Um, and then after we've built this, basically what we do is we move it into the parameters. So we're using the parameter store to, to keep the uh, um, AMI ID. So basically an application team, if they wanted to just use the latest AMI for an operating system, there's literally a latest tag in the parameter store. So their code will always grab the latest automatically and then automatically use that in their CI/CD process as they're moving their code forward. And we also copy the AMI across all the accounts uh, for all the teams. So it's all you know, available because we use multiple accounts. So, um, so yeah, this is uh, something that um, we've been collaborating with AWS on. And um, they've taken this up to the next level, which is really cool, where they're allowing you to um, basically, in the marketplace, bind a uh, solution to your own operating system. Maybe, Ben, you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the, the idea is really just to make, to, many of you, you know, remember the days, I, I'm, I'm old, so I'm, I'm, I was a network engineer in the 90s, and I remember when, when people would buy computers from Dell or HP or IBM, uh, how, many, how many vendors would work with, with uh, those manufacturers to put their software as part of their OEM build, right? And what was the first thing you did when you bought that computer and brought it home? <laughs> yep. Blow it away, put your own image down. But we want to we want to take take that you know moving forward. We want to take the the requirements of compliance, and and the the continual updating of and patching of systems, and we want to make it super easy for you as a customer to. Uh, to embed software in, in the image that's actually being metered out of marketplace, paying for it as you use it, without you having to redeploy. Uh, you know, I came from McAfee. I dealt with the challenge of, of agents and you know, duplicate GUIDs and, and, all that, and all that challenge for so many years. So to be able to solve something like this, I see tremendous value. I believe customers will see tremendous value in this. But the idea of fully automating this and still being able to embed third-party software into the image, I think is, is super, hu super huge value. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's critical because we have, to, we have to be able to trust it. And we can't, I can't in, in my environment just pull an image out of marketplace and instantiate it with whatever operating system is behind there. So. Exactly. It's, it's critical for us. 
Um, another thing that's very important is now, now you've got your applications deployed is being able to report against it and scan the environments, not just um, the operating system environments, but also just AWS or yeah, the configurations themselves. So um, the Center for Internet Security does a good job of publishing benchmarks for AWS. Uh, AWS does a good job of publishing best practices. Um, and so these are the sort of things that you want to be running constantly in the background um, to let you know what your environment is, uh, is, you know, what's currently happening in your environment. And then ideally, you want to start hooking that into events, right? I mean, where we want to be in the, is, you know, not I was going to say in the future, but really the re reality is where we want to be right now is if somebody makes a change that is in violation to um, of our policies and standards, we want to be able to detect that change immediately and remediate it, right? We don't even want a human, we don't want to send an alert to a human being and have them, you know, deal with it in a couple of days. We want to be able to do it immediately, and then I'll send an alert to a human being and they can double check it and see if they, you know, wanted to take an action. So um, scanning those environments is a very important thing. So we use um, Cloud Health specifically for this just because we actually wrote our own tool for um, compliance scanning, um, and then they offered this as a service. So, you know, why spend our time trying to keep it up to date if they're going to do that for us? We're already using them. Um, so th what they'll do is uh, run both the CIS security benchmarks and the AWS best practices against our system. And this is slightly different than, again, this is not scanning the EC2 instance, which you still also need to do. And there's lots of third-party products out there that do that. Um, you know, so again, using your application, using the application to help you narrow down that scope. Um, but this is, you know, scanning your environment so you know, you can feel comfortable that your S3 buckets are configured correctly. Uh, very important one, that one. A <laughs> uh, couple of vendors that uh, uh, we use a lot at Change Healthcare. Um, you know, I already mentioned Cloud Health, uh, Center for Internet Security. They've got lots of great uh, information. Uh, we use Jenkins um, behind the scenes for our um, deployment controls, and then Ansible, we're a big fan of. But again, this is you know, this is just our set of tools. It you know, your set of tools is whatever you like and whatever makes you successful. Uh, the key, I think, again, is to have that full set of automation so that uh, you can you know, know what your environment is like, you can recreate your environments, all your environments are basically the same, and uh, you have a really good trail for changes. Any questions, guys? In the back? Yeah, is there, uh, yeah, yeah, great idea. Come line up in the uh, aisles if you oh, guys want to take mics. a minute. Good, perfect. Because uh, that was hard to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and not because of the question. Right here at the mic. Right behind right you. There it is. Yeah, I think. Yeah, he's going to go ahead and ask it again. That'd be great. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, Get close. Yeah, Get. initial in the slide you were showing that um, there are certain sections of the services which you control from security point of view and application developers has specific access to certain services, right? You have kept IAM, CloudTrail outside right. the access. And so normally uh, any application team, when they create their stacks, they will have their own IAM roles. So how do you manage that? How, who will create the IAM roles for them? 
and well, how the policies would be restrictive only for their project bubble. Right. So, so you, you hit up on a very good um, uh, puzzle there. So we leverage tags a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, and then we've taken a set of tags and we protected them so that they can't be changed. Um, those tags uh, identify who, who, what this application is, what the scope of this application is, and who basically are the, is the team that owns this application. And then um, our code actually is able to uh, lock down all the policies for users who also have the similar tag inside of their profile. So, so basically, if you're in Team A, all your resources are, are tagged saying mm -hmm. owned by Team A, and then therefore you as a developer in Team A can only modify resources with that tag. Right, but who creates a role for them? So, um, so roles is part of what we um, own in our automation framework, mm -hmm. and it's actually integrated with our identity system. So um, when the team says, hey, I wanna put out, an, I wanna have a new project um, available, right? Well, so I need you to onboard me, basically. That request contains some description about what they need. They, like, what's the size of your network space? What's your team name? What's your billing code? You know, mm -hmm. stuff like that that I need to understand. Mm -hmm. And then that creates an event for my guys to build out that profile. And that profile is in configuration. It's in code. And then they submit that and it gets built. It either gets built as a new section, as a new subnet inside of an existing VPC, an existing account, or it could get built as a whole new account, new VPC, new subnet. Um, and then those roles are also tied to our identity system. So if the person leaves the company and they're uh, removed from our corporate identity system, it automatically populate, uh, goes down into AWS and shuts off their access. Okay, I get it. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I've done a lot of work with NIST 853R4 as well as the new CSF uh, framework and I was just wondering about its uh, integration in Allgrass or working with it. It's there, yes. Uh, NIST 800-53R was the first framework that, that they built to. So if you just go back to that homepage and select the controls, it's right here, and 800-171 is right above it. So, same thing, hit the Product Explorer, and uh, you can see the only one listed at the moment is Turbot, for some reason, but uh, they might have moved them over. Thank you. Yeah, anyway, we're continuing to add those as well, so, yep. Any other questions? Hello, I would like to ask you, you're building new Bates images, which are then shared among multiple development and operational teams. How do you make sure that uh, there is no change on the functionality for applications which are then actually running on the EC2 instance? Well, so, first and foremost, we, you know, we build the base, base image that they have to use. Uh, so they're already building on all the tools and configurations and agents that we have installed in the base image. So you know, hopefully their product will, you know, is already living in that environment. Um, if we change it, you know, we don't push the change, we don't deploy for them, right? We just push the change up into a service catalog and then their CI CD process can pick it up. So let's say we did 
add a rule that would break their access, right? Their CICD and their automated test should immediately tell them that it's broken, at which point they can call us up and if they discover it was us, they can call us up and say, hey, you broke us. Or they can figure out, you know, maybe they did something wrong and they need to make a change. But still, that doesn't go to production, right? It won't go to production until it passes all the tests and actually makes a change, you know, they make that change. So um, nothing has changed underneath anyone. But um, just the last point, right? And let's say you need a particular version, right? You absolutely are like, for some bizarre reason, coded yourself to version X, right? We do maintain that history, and you can grab version X out of the service catalog. You can change it from get latest to get version X, and you'll always get that version. I will yell at you because you're not patching it, <laughs> and I may shut you down at some point, but you could do it. Thank you. Hello. Um, does the Augress um, application also provide information as to how the vendor covers the control and what evidence or artifacts they can supply to help with uh, my audit? Yeah, so that's, that's on that detail page. Uh, a lot of it's there. And the other thing is, is that um, their product get compliant, and they actually have a new product called Compliance Vision that actually, if you click on a specific control, it'll go into actually a lot more detail on how the vendor is supposed to, the processes that they need to follow and the evidence that needs to be provided. So that, I would look at their full product portfolio to find that. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yep. I see like you're using a shared service model there with security and... Can you get a little closer? Yeah, that'd be great, thanks. Uh, shared service model uh, with the rest of the accounts and how do you handle the networking piece? Uh, and I see like you're using VPC peering there. Yes, I mean, another nice, nicely targeted question. Um, <laughs> we use, um, so we own the network as well, right? So this is why I've said that I give my developers, the application teams, a subnet that's well-defined. Um, so inbound outbound access is already managed for them using Palo Alto uh, uh, virtual firewalls. So, you know, this is another, this is an area that's evolving for us. Ultimately, where I want to be is I want to be able to let the developer actually define even some of the firewall rules for their application and submit that to us and have it automatically populate. Uh, I'm not quite there yet, so. Talk to me next year. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, about uh, creating Golden AMI process, uh, today's packaging system, uh, uh, the Gradle or NPM, uh, uh, get the software package directly from internet. Uh, can we? Uh, trust these packaging system or? Mm. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm losing the, the exact nature of your question. Um, pulling the operating system directly from the internet, is that what? Well, okay, so, um, uh, again, you know, I, I'm going to answer this in two parts, right? And the first one is, what is your policy about that in your company, right? So if your company says, yeah, that's a risk I'm willing to take, fine. It's not one that we're willing to take, 
So we actually manage all of those packages, and you can only get them from our internal sources. So we don't actually allow anyone to go out and just grab the latest version um, out from the, you know, directly from the publisher's site. They have to grab our internal ones. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> Hi. So uh, we follow DISA-STIGS for a lot of uh, the compliance that we do, and along with that, the documentation. Uh, I was wondering, how do you manage, um, from a documentation perspective, if a, a certain team needs an exception um, in that hardened OS, uh, say they need one of those remediations changed. Right. Now you have one system that is not compliant mm. and others that are. Right. So how do you keep track of all of that, really? Uh, so that's a very interesting question as well. Um, we actually have a database on the back end, uh, uh, DynamoDB, that keeps track of those AMIs and any of the exceptions that we put in place if we put some in place. Um, and those have automatic um, expiration periods. Um, and then we're working right now on having a system where you can define your exceptions um, so that it's an overlay, right? So here's you, you automatically get everything fully locked up, and then you can put an overlay on top of that that defines the one or two things that you have exceptions for, and then that's part of the ultimate document that, remember I said there's a scanning and validation step that then her happens, and so the fact that you have that overlay and you want to apply it is a fact that I can store in my database with your name on it, and that basically 30 days will go away, which means your builds will fail. Thank you. All right. So yeah, go ahead. More question. Uh, do you guys have a single pane of glass for your 29 production accounts? Uh, well, I mean, the code is the source of truth, right? So uh, do I have something nice that I can show the executive team, like this is what everything looks like? Again, I would, in that case, you know, look at some third-party tools that can give me some nice visualizations. But the truth of the matter, you know, for us, it's in the code. So my single pane of glass is the code itself. And, uh, you know, as engineers, we're comfortable looking at it that way. So I don't have it here, um, but in another presentation I did here recently, you could see in my repository all of the teams labeled. And you can open up one of those teams, and you can see all of the configuration that applies to that team and exactly what they have. Thank you. Hey guys, a uh, couple of big picture questions. You know, stepping back from all the details that you've shared in the last you know few minutes, uh, one of the things that prevented cloud adoption and AWS adoption in you know sort of the formative years was the fact that companies were scared about moving their critical data onto the cloud in terms of security and you know those kind of things. Now, and that's obviously a concern that's faded over time, and companies are a lot more comfortable moving stuff to the cloud right now. Now, I guess what I'm trying to ask is how much of that sort of increase in adoption is driven by AWS becoming better at their security measures versus companies lowering their security requirements. I guess it's a little bit of both, but just wanted to hear your perspective on that. And then I guess uh, part two to that question would be, you know, security is something where a single breach would sort of be a big you know, break to companies moving to the cloud. Mm -hmm. So how does, or what is AWS doing on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure that that first breach does not happen? Because, you know, God forbid, if and when that happens, it wouldn't be good for, you know, a lot of what AWS is trying to do. Ben, you want to take part two and I'll take part one? Uh, I was actually going to take part one, but I'll take, <laughs> <laughs> I'll I can't take speak part for two. AWS. I'll take so. part two. 
Um, so you asked the, the first part of the question was, uh, you made a comment about, you know, do you think people are lowering their security standards or is AWS doing more? I, I think I would be surprised if, if I ever heard of a customer saying that they were lowering their security yeah, standards, would, especially on the cloud. Uh, cloud, you know, security is definitely the first question, the first, first concern. Uh, obviously, things like multi-AZ uh, configuration are one of the things that we recommend for availability concerns. But as, as it relates to security, uh, the, the, we point customers right back to the shared responsibility model. Uh, the specific concern of data and, you know, is my data safe in the cloud? The answer is yes. And the answer is that they can opt to encrypt all their data in transit or, or at rest. So that's, you know, we, we recommend that customers do that. And there's third-party solutions available as well if they prefer. Um, you have a lot more security options yeah. uh, directly available to you Correct. in the cloud. Yeah. But you have to use them, right? Um, and Amazon and AWS have been very, very good about yeah, publishing. Yeah, to enable them and, right, correct. Those, uh, those best practices, not just through their best practices, but also if you look at their BAA agreement um, and any of their um, uh, regulated right. documentation, they're very explicit about what you have to turn on, how you have to configure it, yes. and you want to follow those guidelines right. and basically validate that. So and we, are, we have teams that work literally around the clock all over the world and all of our regions to, make, to ensure that we don't have a breach. And we, ha we follow, uh, all, all of our audits are publicly available. Most of them are publicly available. And some of them you have to be an AWS customer to get access to them. But, uh, but every, every audit that you would go through as a customer, we go through all of them for all the frameworks. And we've had zero findings. So and it's, it's literally job one. Security is priority one for AWS. Right, and if you're going to put any workload on AWS that you care about from a security perspective, you have to have the same mentality. Yeah. Like if you want to put something in S3, by, by default, S3 is a publicly available endpoint, right? <laughs> so you better understand the security and access of S3 or else your data is already compromised. And in that case, S3, an example of some automation that we've built around helping customers to uh, not store data that could be breached or could be detrimental if, if it were accessed. Uh, we, we announced at uh, the New York Summit the Amazon Macy tool, which uses machine learning, and it actually scans S3, uh, your S3 bucket for you if you enable access. And it'll look for things like key pairs and IAM roles and additional information such as PII, you can look for social security numbers and things like a data loss prevention tool would, would also look for. But uh, you know, customers that have, had, you know, for example, uh, inadvertently put their you know, keys up on GitHub and, and maybe they're gonna go do work at home for the weekend and then they come back to work on Monday and they find that someone found those keys and, and has been doing Bitcoin mining and now their account's out of control, right? right? It happens. So that's the, the point of Amazon Macy and tools like that that we're developing is to, to reduce that risk for you as a customer. That's why security by design is so important, right? So, I mean, again, we do all this stuff through automation and configuration. Those, that code assumes roles, right? It has to be able to do work. But its keys and everything like that are automatically stored not only in the key management system, but then also stored um, acts, well, references to that are actually stored in the parameter store. So they have a key version and parameter store that you can use so that you don't ever put any of that stuff in code. It's just done by you know, reference and identity. 
So these are just really, you know, items you need to pay attention to. Great. I guess a couple of follow-ups, unless well, there are other questions. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna to wrap up the recording yeah. and we'll come down and talk to you guys. So there thank you, you very much for coming. Appreciate it. <laughs>